Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Questo suono dal Sud America fino giù in Senegal profumo d'Africa nella Nuova Guinea la sentirai in Albania che assomiglia a casa mia riparte dal Belgio arriva in Croazia, Slovacchia, Polonia e Romania Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Worldwide Series. This is a series all about our fans. I'm convinced we have the best fans in the world, so I wanted to give our fans all over the world a platform where they can speak their minds, and this way you, the listeners, can hear some opinions and viewpoints that are different from my own. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. We're visiting two countries today, and that's because we have two guests. Our first is in Italy, and it's his second appearance on the podcast. Daniel Bowen, welcome back to Forza Napoli. Hey, Joe, what's up, man? Thanks for having me again. It's a pleasure to be on your pod. It's a pleasure to have you. Our second guest is in Germany, and he's a first-time guest on the pod. Alex, welcome to Forza Napoli. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me in your show, man. It's my pleasure. So we've got another busy episode for you today. Of course, we're going to talk about the Hellas Verona match. I was going to say we'll talk about the disappointing Hellas Verona match, but I don't even think disappointment is the right adjective to describe what we witnessed. I think maybe disgraceful is probably a better adjective, but we'll come back to that in just a little bit. I apologize in advance for making our listeners relive this experience, and I completely understand if you choose not to. I <laughs> I won't hold that against anyone, but let's start with something that's less depressing. Uh, we always start with our worldwide episodes with our guest story. We got Dan's in episode 7, so I'll hand the microphone over to Alex. Alex, how did you become an Apple fan? So, I'm currently serving with the U.S. Army, and I was stationed in Napoli from 2015 to uh, 2018. And, yeah, basically, just started attending the games, and, yeah, that's how I fell in love with uh, with Napoli. I've been to 50-plus games. Now, with the pandemic, that's one thing that I really 
really miss, but hopefully next season we get get a chance to uh, start attending a couple of games and everything. So that's very cool, and you can see why I brought Alex and Dan on together. Of course, Dan has a, a similar story. And did you guys serve together in Napoli, or did you come across uh, each other somewhere else? Yeah, so I think I met Dan through the Napoli Nation fan club. I think that's how we became friends. But uh, I'm currently serving with the U.S. Army. I know Dan was serving with U.S. Navy, and yeah. Sounds good. Dan, what's your experience been like with Alex? So, Joe, like, when I started watching Napoli play, I was, like, the only American that I knew that was actually going to the stadium and watching them play live. There'd be an American here or there that might actually go to a game, but it was just one game just for the experience. But I got season tickets, and I helped found the uh, the fan club, Napoli Nation, and uh, it started to get really, really strong. And when I left Napoli, you know, to feel really, really left out, and soon after that, is when I met Alex, I think it was via online, and then we actually met up and we started going to games together. And I'm not trying to say that me and Alex are uncomparable when it comes to fans, but it makes me really feel good that there's somebody else out there that has somewhat of a story like I do that doesn't have Italian blood in their lines, but they fell in love with Napoli, man. It's just really cool because... The reason I followed Monopoly Man, the number one reason was because of the fans. And to have another American like Alex to share that gives me goosebumps, to be honest. Yeah, that's pretty cool for sure. It's never easy when you're you're in a, another country, even if it is a beautiful one like Italy. I don't know if you guys spoke the language before you, you moved there or not. So I'm sure it was helpful to have a colleague that speaks English. And, and the other thing is English is now sort of a global language, but I imagine back then it, it wasn't as common amongst the locals. Yeah, so so basically for me, I never spoke Italian before, but you know it was kind of easy to understand because Spanish is my native language and everything, so kind of, I think, easy to understand Italian a little bit. And yeah, I, I mean, I got to learn quite a little bit of Italian and, you know, I can pronounce... Uh, couple of napolitan words here and there i'm not as fluent as then but uh yeah i'm working on it man yeah so the reason you speak spanish is because you actually were born and raised in colombia and of course napoli have had a couple of players from colombia in our past seasons is is that part of your fandom was that part of the reason why you became a napoli fan no, not really, man. I mean, like I said, I mean, being born and raised in Colombia for us, soccer or football, however you want to call it, that's kind of like our uh, main sport. That's the the sport that I, I I mostly follow. So yeah, just being able to go to a stadium and watch the the, the fans, you know, singing and jumping, and and it's just seeing, you know, everyone just chatting Napoli, and yeah, I think to me, like I said, it was just because I, I love soccer. I've been watching it and, you know, I've been playing it since I was a little boy. So I think that was kind of like one of the main reasons why, you know, why I was into it, you know, when I was in Napoli. So cool. Dan, you wanted to jump in? That's just the first thing I thought about when he said some of the things that he's learned how to say in Napolitan. And sometimes I forget that I'm speaking it, you know, at different moments. And it just remember what he was saying about that. 
Well, you guys have been to a lot of games. I think maybe for this game, it's probably better that it was behind closed doors because I don't think there was going to be a whole lot of cheering at this one. So let's get into the match a little bit. Before we get into the details, let's maybe do a little bit of a therapy session. Dan, I'll start with you. How are you feeling, be it about the specific performance or the fact that we won't be playing in Champions League next season? Okay, I need to take a breath for this one. Okay, so you mentioned the word disgraceful, right? For me, since I've been watching Napoli play back in 2006, I think is the year when I started watching them. And the excitement would build and build each and every year. They started getting into Champions League and, you know, the passion was was crazy. They were off a little bit. Ivani and Lavezzi left and... Then it, it ramped it up a little bit more again when Saudi got there. You know, people started thinking they could win the Scudetto again, right? And then when Saudi left, for me, since then, it felt like there's just drama all the time with the club. Whether it's coming from the coach or coming from ADL or the players or the fans, there's just so much drama that it's gotten to the point where you feel like maybe they're not going to progress back to ever being a contender seeing that performance last night because for me it felt like the players were just disinterested they didn't want to actually give their all on the pitch it felt like the champions league was not in their minds and a lot of people say hey you know conspiracy theories you know i understand it when people are talking about conspiracy theories you know and we shouldn't be dwelling and there's a lot of things that we'll never know but the one thing for sure that no fan can deny is that those players did not give them on the pitch. And we're going to always wonder why. And I, I can't stand that. Gattuso has been out the door, booted by Adel since about the middle of it when he was looking at other coaches. And I just feel like Adel, the way that he operates with his coaches and his players and you know, his, his personality, it just doesn't mesh well with the players and the coaches. And Gattuso, when he felt that way, I don't think he was ever turning back. And he just wanted to do his best while he was. And then that last game, the players, they were sort of sticking it to ADL, saying, okay, you're going to be this way. We're going to play that way. And maybe that is a conspiracy theory, man, but it's hard not to think that way. Alex, it's been a couple of days since the match. How are you feeling? Man, it's uh, it's a lot of emotions that I'm that I've been feeling for the last couple of days. I mean, pissed off, disappointed. Yeah, I don't know what happened, man. I I was really looking forward to see Napoli in the next Champions League, and just didn't didn't happen, man. They didn't perform well. Yeah, I'm just I'm just uh, like I say speechless, shocked. I don't know what happened, man. It's just it's kind of hard to understand what happened, you know, out there in the pitch. They just didn't perform. They look unmotivated and just really, really pissed off, man. Just uh, I'm not sure what happened, man. Just, yeah, I wish things would have worked out. But, yeah, it's thing happened, man. And, yeah, Europa League, it is. so. Yeah, I think you guys basically sum up how most Napoli fans did feel or still feel after that match. We talked about the performance being disgraceful. Embarrassing is another adjective that works. 
once again, we didn't show up for an important match, which we have a history of doing. I thought this match was symbolic of how our entire season went. We were terribly inconsistent this season. Often when we didn't show up, it was the entire team that didn't show up. We didn't have just that one person step up and take the game into his own hands. We grinded ourselves into a favorable position, and then we made a costly error, which was another theme with our poor performances this season. This was the most costly error because it cost us about 60 million euros by not winning this match, which also allowed our biggest rival to improve their finances by not winning. We allowed Juventus to get into the Champions League. And, you know, despite the history of letdowns, I genuinely thought that this time was going to be different. And maybe that's just me, foolish on me, shame on me for thinking that. But I said this in the pre-match rant with Raf and Raf. That if anyone could motivate these guys, it was Gattuso. All season long, we've talked about how Gattuso may not be the greatest tactician, but he is a great motivator, and that's what we needed the most for this match. Now, we'll come back to Gattuso in a little bit, but this club looked anything but motivated, as you guys both pointed out. I thought we were flat. I saw very little movement. I didn't see any urgency whatsoever. There were moments of the match where you would have thought that Verona were the team fighting for the Champions League qualification spot, not Napoli. This performance was completely unacceptable. I've made lots of excuses for our poor performances since late December, early January, where we had tons of injuries, we had a crazy schedule, and so on. And those were valid reasons back then, but we can't use any of those excuses for this match. We had a healthy squad. The only major injury we had was to Kaladu Koulibaly, and that's not why we didn't win. We had a full week to prepare for this match, so we were well-rested, and you can't even blame the media and the pressure that they put on the club because we've been in a media blackout for months, and yet I think this was the worst half that we've had in our entire season, that first half. Not one of our worst halves, but the very worst half this entire season. We could not complete a pass. I counted 17 different occasions where we made really poor passes and just completely missed the target man, and I'm not talking about all turnovers because there were plenty of other turnovers in the half as well where maybe the passes were a little bit tight or Verona were marking well and so I didn't count those in the 17 I'm just talking about blatant errors and we also conceded possession on multiple occasions with just poor touches I thought we looked really nervous even our veteran players who are typically our more reliable players were anything but that Lorenzo Insigne was awful Giovanni Di Lorenzo was awful Piotr Zielinski was invisible. The list of players who actually played well in this match was shorter than the list of players who didn't. So let's talk about that a little bit. Dan, did you think anyone had a good performance in this match? Uh, so, so, I mean, good performance. I, I, I don't know if I can really point out any player that I felt like had a good performance, but I do feel like players like Ozlozano, I felt like they seemed to be motivated and they were trying to do what they could, but the players in general were just standing around. I mean, every time you saw that they had an opportunity to actually attack that side of the field, as soon as that opportunity arose, then players just started like standing around and not really trying to, to create space and get open. I also felt like Merritt played a good game. I, I felt like he was reacting the way he needed to. You know, he didn't play a bad game. He did get a little touch on that goal that they got. I felt like he was in good position. That was just a really hard hit ball. So good. Maybe Merritt played a good game because Ozuman and Lozano were trying, but they were ineffective the entire game. 
Alex, do you agree with that? Anything you want to add? Yeah, I think, I mean, out of all the players that were out in the pitch, I think the one that I noticed that played really well, and I think he came out in the second half, was Politano. I know he seemed like he was motivated and he wanted to, you know, I know towards the end, he, uh, I remember he, a shot that he made a goal and yeah, I thought I was going to go in. So I think I noticed uh, Politano and I think Lozano too, man. He, he was trying his best and I think Mary had a, had a good game as well. But besides those three, yeah, I think everyone else played. Uh, yeah, they had a, uh, a good game. That's interesting. I, I have one more. I, I pretty much agreed with the Pajella for this match. I thought Amir Rahmani was our best player without a doubt, actually. I thought he was solid at the back. He made a couple of great plays at the end of the first half. He had a double block on Kalinic in front of the goal, and then he made another important clearance in front of our goal just before the final uh, whistle in the first half. Of course, he scored our only goal in the match. That was his first goal in Serie A in his second season. As you know, his first season was with Hellas Verona, so he scored against his former club, which is why he didn't celebrate. I think Costas Manolas played well enough as well. He wasn't a liability at the back, and he wasn't terribly busy, and his job isn't really to create chances, so most of our poor play was in the attacking half in, in this match. I agree with you guys. I thought Alex Meretz played well too. He looked confident coming off of his line. He was brave. He was assured. He didn't make too many saves. He didn't need to. I thought the save that he made on Ivan Illich early in the first half was pretty impressive. I do think he could have done better on the goal. It wasn't the first time this season where he's gotten a hand on the ball, but it wasn't strong enough to keep it out. It was similar to the goal that we conceded to Lazio, where he had a chance to make the save on the Sergei Milinkovic Savage free kick. If he did make the save, it would have been an amazing save, but we don't necessarily blame him for the goal either. We'll come back to that goal in just a second. And then you guys mentioned Osiman. He was the one player that I think got a bit of a harsh rating in the papers. I think the service to Osiman was woeful, and he was clearly frustrated by that. We were passing on the wrong side of him. We were making passes too short, too long. We were taking too many touches to play the ball to him. We needed to give him the ball sooner. There was one play in the first half, I believe, where it was Fabian that could have played him at his run to the near post. And instead, he took a couple of extra touches and we ended up with just a corner kick. So for me, I think the report cards were a little bit harsh on Osimen. I mentioned that goal. Dan, what were your thoughts on the goal that we conceded? So it was another one of those moments where Hisai just breaks down and isn't paying attention to detail. You know how slow he is. So you knew that once that ball was was lifted, that he wasn't going to be able to catch up to the player that got the ball. I can't remember who shot that ball, to be honest. But yeah, it, it felt like our problems were just compounded with that left back position when that happened. I mean... We've dealt with our left-back issues with him, Adi Orui, for how many years now? So, I mean, what did you expect? If we were going to make a mistake, it was probably going to be on that side of the pitch by that player. Yeah, it was Davide Faraoni that got the goal. I, I know Hisai got a lot of the blame, if not all of the blame, and he certainly deserves his share. But I think our entire back line was out of position on this goal. Other than Di Lorenzo, everyone was shifted too far to the right and it's not like the ball was on that side of the field Corey Gunther had the ball at the top of his own box but if you looked at where our defenders were everyone was shifted too far to the right Manolas and Di Lorenzo were both marking Zakani so Rachmani shifted over to mark Kevin Lasagna 
and then LCT side shifted over to Mark Daniel Bessa, and that left Faraoni completely unmarked on the left wing. And then when that ball was played, Hisai had a lot of ground to cover there. He probably should have done better still, which is why he still deserves a portion of the blame. And then I mentioned Meret not getting a strong enough hand on the ball. And Hellas Verona didn't really create that many chances. But like I said earlier on, it was one of these situations where we concede one chance and of course the opponent scores. And that's been another theme for us this season. I do want to talk a little bit about Gattuso as well. I think he also deserved his portion of the blame for this match. It wasn't just on the players. Alex, what did you think of Gattuso's approach, his his in-game management or lack thereof, perhaps, his substitutions? How did you feel about Gattuso's performance here? Well, as far as his performance during the match against Verona, I mean, I didn't really see anything wrong with it. But I guess, you know, him being the head coach seems to me like he just demotivated the players well enough. But I think, he, you know, he made the right substitutions during the second half and everything. I wasn't really that happy when, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of his name. Petania? Yeah, yeah, Petania. I think he came in for uh, Mertens, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I wasn't really that impressed and I've never been a big fan of uh, Petania if you ask me but yeah I mean him as being a head coach man he just should be be motivating players out there and like I say it seems like nobody wanted to perform Dan do you have anything to add to that? I did not hear that majority of the game so does that make sense? You're like that like almost all the time how many times do we hear Chuk? And I heard it like once or twice in that whole game. So that was that was weird to me. And obviously the players weren't motivated. I think that his substitutions, I think in general they were okay. I think Batanya coming on in the 80th minute was, was an okay decision because he's just trying to find a goal. I mean, if that's really what he was trying to do, if he cared to win that game or not. Happy that he stood Lozano. I thought that that was the right decision because Lozano can put pressure on the defense. And going back to what Alex said about Politano when he came in in the second half, Politano actually looked like he was motivated. I take that back with not mentioning him. Alex was right. Politano at least was motivated, and you could tell that he was trying to do I was disappointed again in Mertens when he came on. It didn't seem like he was trying to do anything to try to make a difference in the game. There's rumors out there, whether they're false or not, about, and the reason that he didn't play any minutes in the last two having to do with the bonus not being paid to Lipsia for the trummy. Mm-hmm. That's really true or not. We're never going to find out. Why hasn't Demi played in the last two games? That doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, Gattuso's performance was pretty bad. There was no creation anywhere on the pitch at any given time. I didn't hear him barking out orders like we normally do. So, you, you know that he knew he was leaving. And that last game, I mean, maybe it was just that he was trying to prove a point to him. To ADL, and they had a, a pact with him and the players. Hey, man, we're not playing this game to win. We're just going to just be on the field. Who knows? You made a couple of points there that I want to touch on. The first on the silence on the touchline i wasn't sure if that was a production thing we get the games on the zone here in canada and 
first of all, they were two completely new commentators that we haven't had, which was probably because it was a bigger match. I wasn't sure if they had piped in audio of fans or if that was just the, the noise of the fans outside of the stadium that we heard. But for whatever reason, it was far more quiet than we've heard. As you mentioned, we, we were so accustomed to hearing Chuki, Chuki, and all of that from Gattuso. So there was definitely some silence there. Whether there was... I I'm tend to not be a conspiracy theorist, so I, I tend not to think that this was pre-planned both on the part of the players and the coach I get the frustration with De Laurentiis but at the end of the day I think it was still in the players and in the coach's best interest to get a win here for the players even if it just means bonuses and a potentially higher salary for the upcoming negotiations because we're playing in the Champions League for Gattuso this is now the second time in I guess three seasons where he's finished one point shy of qualifying for the Champions League. He did it with Milan. And in both cases, it came down to the final game of the season. And I don't think as a coach, that's something you want on your CV. Because coaches, let's be honest, they don't spend long at clubs anymore. That's somewhere between one and three years, typically. So you also have to be thinking of what's to come next. So I don't personally believe that this was a plan to get revenge on anyone. I think it was just a flat performance. You mentioned Petania. He replaced Bakayoko. For me, the most egregious error was that Gattuso didn't replace Bakayoko with Demet. When you consider how lifeless we were in the first half, that seemed like an obvious change to me. Dem is a high-energy player. His energy is exactly what was missing in the first half. He's also a better ball distributor than Bakayoko is, also something that was missing in the first half. And he's shown that he could also be a box-to-box midfielder if we need him to. Bakayoko was fine defensively, but we needed to score. So to me, the risk would have been worth it maybe early in the second half. I even wanted it to see it you know, at the break. You mentioned the theory about them as bonuses. Not only did he not play the last two matches, he only played six minutes in the match prior to that. So there is this theory that... Gattuso was perhaps told not to play Demet to avoid paying the bonus to Leipzig. I don't buy that either, to be honest. Even if there was a bonus, and even if we assume it was, say, 10 million euros, which I think is, that's a number I just made up. I don't think it would be anywhere near that when you consider what we paid for Demet. We would still gain 50 million euros from winning this match by qualifying for the Champions League. So I think that's something we'd gladly absorb, but... You never know what's going on in terms of the the internal affairs of the club. I also thought that Gattuso should have replaced Lozano sooner. I know you guys both mentioned that he was a positive player, and I, I think he was working hard, but I think his touch was still off in this match. He was involved in the couple of chances that we had in the first half, and I did say in my halftime notes that I wanted to see more long balls to Lozano because I think it was Di Marco that was marking him on that side that was just giving him way too much space. And, you know, that led to the the Insignia chance with his left foot that just missed. And I was fine with that, but I thought he looked pretty tired early in the second half. And I wanted to see Politano come on 10 minutes earlier, let's say. Whether 10 minutes would have made that big of a difference, I don't know. There are also people that would criticize Gattuso for starting Lozano in the first place as opposed to Politano, which is easy to say in retrospect, but at the same time, Politano has been the better player for the last little while now. Now, there are plenty of people speculating, as you did, Dan, that Gattuso maybe bottled this match intentionally, knowing that he would not be renewed. Alex, do you think there's any merit to that? 
I don't feel that way, man. I think it's just Napoli didn't perform, man. I'm sure uh, Gattuso wanted to come out with a win against uh, Hellas, and I think it just didn't happen, man. Just didn't happen. Like I said, players didn't perform. One of the players that I noticed that had a horrible, horrible game was uh, Insigne. I think his passes were way off, man. I think that was been one of the worst games that I've seen Insigne play. I mean, him as a capitano, he should have stepped up, but it didn't happen, man. And like I said, yeah, his passes were way off. And overall, the team didn't perform like they should have. I remember I told Dan, I was like, you know what? Even though they're playing Hellas, but this game wasn't going to be easy, man. I think Hellas always gives uh, Napoli a hard time. And if you guys remember, I think the first game of the season, I think Hellas beat Napoli 3-1. So, yeah, they're always a tough team to beat, man. So, just guys didn't perform, and they basically choke big time, and, yeah, just didn't happen. So, yeah, I'm just uh, disappointed like everyone else. But, I mean, I guess life goes on, so. Yeah, that was easily one of Insigne's worst performances, which couldn't be timed any worse for us, right? He just could not make a pass. He was trying. He was trying to create something. I mean, he was getting into good positions to set up those passes, but the delivery was so poor. And I, I guess we do also have to give Verona some credit here. I mean, I felt like once again, Juric outcoached Gattuso. And it looked like, especially early on, that they were going to play a tough, sort of aggressive style. They they didn't have a problem with fouling. And, and it was next to impossible to establish any rhythm. And it just got worse and worse it, it, we thought maybe okay at halftime Gattuso is going to give these guys a kick in the ass and wake them up and and we'll come out strong in the second half and we came out looking exactly the same in the second half with Gattuso now after that performance I think none of us were surprised when we saw the tweet from De Laurentiis shortly after the match wishing Gattuso the best which was basically signaling that the two were parting ways. Gattuso would not be returning. I think that would have been a tough decision had we won this match, both for the club and for the coach. Who knows? Maybe we still would have parted ways, but I think it would have been harder. We saw the fans, the ultras sent a, a note to De Laurentiis saying they support Gattuso and the players. We saw the ultras protesting De Laurentiis before the match, which was really bizarre timing to do that as well, before the match as opposed to after. But do you guys think this is the right decision to move on from Gattuso? I'll start with you, Alex. Yeah, I was. Uh, I think I was quite surprised from that Twitter of ADL. Yeah, saying, you know, the Gattuso was the part. And I think he should have probably waited a few more days. I mean, I knew, I knew it was going to happen sooner or later, but I think that was uh, quite quick. <laughs> He's firing off tattoos and everything. So, yeah, I think he should have probably waited a couple more days. I don't think that that was a, a good call from ADL. But again, ADL being ADL. Yeah, that's true. He's he's definitely got a flair for the drama, which we're going to get to in a minute. Dan, do you agree? Was this the right decision to move on? So, I absolutely do not agree with it being the right decision to move on. But I am a realist. That was a decision from the middle of the season. And first time he says something in support of Gattuso, it's to fire him. Give me a break. The other thing 
were just freaking PA stunts. They weren't real supports. And ADL, there are some things that he's great at. He's he's really good at managing the money. He's good at finding gems in the rough and developing them. Or not him, but, you know, staff, whatever. Or good at finding people, you know, like Cavani and Lavezzi and Hamsik. And, you know, he, he's good at doing that. But you feel like sometimes his motivation is really just to balance the books and not really to win championships. And and I was giving him the benefit of the doubt after he signed Lozano and Monolos. And that one summer when he got, you know, Ancelotti as the coach, I was like, okay, is he now taking a step into the direction of wanting to actually win trophies? And then after these last two years, you feel like that's never really going to be a thing with ADL because he just doesn't have good relations with his coaches, with his players, with his fans, with the city, with with his staff, with, with anybody. You know, and in order for Napoli to get back to, like, the city of Napoli, to get back to drinking, uh, winning a Scudetto, He's going to have to find somebody to hire in a leadership position like a Nedved, Maldini, um, you know, those types where they can be like a working director and everything else that's going on in the club and just let him sit back and sign the contracts and be an owner. So I felt like it was the wrong decision. The tweet in itself was very, it was very distasteful because it was immediately following the match. And the whole Stampa Silencio, you know, blocking out the media, you know, it just felt, it felt very unprofessional. And ADL has had a lot of issues with being unprofessional. And it was just, it was an example of that. And the ultras protesting ADL, they have been doing that since day one, since I've been watching, you know, the club play. And often... It seems inappropriate, but they knew that Gattuso was not going to be extended. And they felt like they needed to express themselves before that game to show support for him. And, And I thought that that was something that was warranted because we all knew that that's probably what was going to happen because it just ADL the whole time has not supported him. Okay, no, sorry about that rant. No, that's okay. Were you there protesting with them? <laughs> uh, y- you know what? If I was in Napoli, I would have definitely been at the stadium cheering on that bus as it came in. And you did you hear about the bus being rerouted? That's some bullshit. Why was the bus rerouted to avoid the fans? I mean, did you hear about that, Joe? Actually, no, I didn't, but I, I see Alex nodding. I guess, Alex, you heard about that. Yeah, I did hear about that, and yeah, I was quite disappointed. That wasn't a good move by uh, ADL. I don't know what was the the main reason why the bus got rerouted, but yeah, I mean, that that wasn't a good call by, uh, by ADL. Or whoever came out with that decision, man. Yeah, so, I mean, look, there's definitely a group of the fan base that are anti-ADL. I don't consider myself a part of that just because I think of the history and for me that where he's brought this club is enough to warrant him sticking around and I take the good with the bad Um, I think 
managing the finances are integral to managing a club like Napoli. You know, I would rather have ADL, and, and not everyone will agree with this, but I'd rather have ADL than a hedge fund or an oil tycoon or something like that. And I know that may be the best way to get us a title, and, and that's what we care about the most. So that may be counterintuitive from me, uh, but that's that's my view, Dan. So I, I hear you, Joe. I understand where you're coming from in the history and where he's brought Napoli. But how long has he owned Napoli now? It, it has, it, it's not yesterday. He's owned the club for long enough now to where he should have learned by this point how to operate as an owner or get like a sporting director to do what needs to be. The things that he says, I, I know you know the moment at you know, summer training camp when he said, Sono io il vostro Cavani. When the fans were chanting, trying to get Cavani to get, you know, re-signed and come back to Napoli. That's just another example of, you know, how he just doesn't have that relationship that, that he really needs to have with everybody involved. You know, and I absolutely agree with you that, you know, we, we don't need an owner like an oil tycoon or an owner that is going to spend just crazy money. But it's not just about transfer fees and salary. I mean, even ADL doesn't want to budge on his image rights. And I'm sure that there are signings that Napoli has lost because of those image right issues. You know, and I've been to the training center as well as Alex, and, and we've seen it. That training center is, is mediocre at best. He should give his players a better facility to train at, you know, to do rehab, to rest. And, I mean, their training center is it's the backyard of a hotel facility. So he has a lot of work to do. He's brought Napoli very, very far. You know, they were in Setiachi, they were bankrupt, and he bought them. I am super appreciative of that as a Napoli fan. But it is time well overdue where he needs to be more of an owner that Napoli needs as a city, the players, the staff. You know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit emotional with it because I don't know how many games I've went to and I've seen the passion that the fans have had. They deserve a little bit more. They just do. They deserve more respect. The players deserve more respect. I mean, not even got a good send-off when he left the club. So, I don't know. Sorry. No, that's okay. And, and I agree with you on a lot of those points. I completely agree on the lack of investment in our training facilities, the lack of investment in our youth program, the dramatic comments in the media, which... I don't know if it's because he's comes from the film industry, so he has a flair for the drama or what it is. I think it's not really that uncommon to have an eccentric owner. That's pretty common with a lot of the owners if you look around the league. And I think as far as spending goes, at least on players, I think he's he's shown a willingness to do that. He just spent 80 million euros during a pandemic when nobody was spending money. So I, I, like I said... It, and and let's not forget, yes, it feels like crap now with the way things are going or have gone over the last couple of seasons. We're looking for, for reasons to make change, and, and that's warranted. And I especially think we definitely need some sort of intermediary position, whether it's another director like a Maldini or an Edved or a CEO maybe in between the president and 
and the directors, especially because De Laurentiis is not getting any younger, and I'm not terribly confident that Eduardo can can fill the same void that that Aurelio does. I know, Dan, you have a relationship with Eduardo, but I think that would be a good time to bring a, a president in. But in any event, Gattuso has parted ways with the club. He released a statement through Napoli's official website, which was very professional, was very positive. He thanked the fans. He thanked the staff. He even thanked De Laurentiis for giving him the opportunity. It didn't take long for him to sign with a new club. We all kind of suspected. We've seen the reports that he would be potentially joining Fiorentina. That was confirmed today by Fiorentina. They posted on their official website and their social media accounts that they've signed Gattuso to lead them next season. We're recording this on Tuesday. It's been quite the whirlwind of speculation. Alex, what do you make of all the reports over the last few days about different potential managers? So I've been following the Napoli's yeah, latest news, and they were mentioned about Sergio Conceição, which is the current uh, head coach for Porto. And if that end up, ends up happening, yeah, I'm very, very excited, man. Very excited for Napoli. I think uh, he's a head coach that, I mean, has a lot of potential to bring the best out of the players. I mean, he's done really, really well since he started head coaching Porto. And yeah, I mean, if that happens, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely uh, looking forward. I would rather see Conseil Sao being the head coach than freaking Spalletti, man. Uh, I don't know if you checked the news today. We're recording this on Tuesday. So Monday's big breaking news was that Conceição had agreed to terms with the club. And that was reported by Correa de los Sport first. And then it, everyone picked up on that story. Then today on Tuesday, Correa de los Sport reported that that arrangement has now fallen apart. And now, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, this is why you shouldn't believe what you read in the papers. It's all clickbait. I think you should read everything with a healthy amount of skepticism. I think there was probably some kernel of truth to this story. In this case, I think there was merit to the report. But what everyone needs to understand is that these situations are very fluid. They evolve. Things can change pretty rapidly with job offers. And that's true of any profession, not just sports. People leverage job offers all the time to negotiate better terms with other employers all the time. So it's no different in sports. De Laurentiis denied this report altogether. He told a Portuguese newspaper today that the report was completely untrue and that he has never spoken to Conceição. Now, that quote is being a little bit misreported in the sense that he did say that Jorge Mendes, who's the agent of Conceição, and a number of players, of course, is a close friend, and that Mendes has proposed three or four coaches over the last few months. So it's quite possible that he spoke to Mendes about Conceição, though he said that they have never had any negotiations about him. He added that the new coach has been found and will be announced in a week. So we'll see if that's true, For if De Laurentiis was just biding his time. I highly doubt that Ivan Juric will be the next coach after his little uh, post-match conference where the Napolitan media suggested that he downed his tools in recent weeks and then went after Napoli. He responded demanding respect and, and the club supported him on that, saying that the questions were unfair that he was asked. So I can't imagine that he's uh, interested in coaching for Napoli, at least not anymore. Christophe Gauthier's name is still in the mix. He was on a French radio show called RMC Sport. And you know the previous reports were that he had agreed to a deal with Nice to stay in France. But he confirmed on this radio show that he had not made his decision yet 
and that he still has multiple offers, including one from Napoli. He did confirm today, again, today's Tuesday, that he will not be returning to Lille, so we'll have to see what happens there. And then, of course, he mentioned Spalletti, and Max Allegri is the other name that's still out there. I'd be very surprised if Allegri joined a club that's not playing in the Champions League, if I'm being honest. I think he'll end up at Real Madrid, so for me... All indications are that the guy that you don't want, Alex Luciano Spalletti, will be the next manager. Dan, did you want to weigh in on this before we uh, wrap up the pod? Oh, yeah, Joe. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, Alex really got me more excited about Conte Zao than anybody else because we were going back and forth about trying to make sure that I was pronouncing his name right, number one. <laughs> But also just what kind of coach he was. And I was honestly getting a little bit excited about the guy because I felt like he was another Gattuso type that would be good at motivating his players to play. And then today you see that those reports were absolutely false. And Laudinthes makes that quote that you mentioned before. You know, now do we believe everything that Laudinthes ever says? I mean, maybe ADL is... Not telling the whole truth there. Who knows? We never probably will know. I mean, he did have another quote out there that said that the coach is going to be Italian. So you're probably right. It's probably going to be Spalletti, you know, if you're just looking at the entire picture. But, you know, I have a buddy that, you know, is close to Napoli. And, you know, he mentioned that this week it's supposed to be Galtier who is being announced. So we'll see if that ends up being true or not. So who knows who the next coach is going to be. But I was excited about Conseil Sal after doing the research and seeing what kind of coach she could be. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually had a guest lined up who's both a Porto fan and a Milan fan. So he he would have been perfect to comment on both Conseil Sal's style and, and also whether he would fit in Serie A, whether we had the players that would that would fit. So if if we do sign him, then I'll definitely bring that guest on. But I, I did the same thing. And I think most Napoli fans did. We were all running around trying to figure out, okay, what style of play does he does he use? And, you know, it seems like it's a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3. He's pretty flexible. He's definitely a hard-nosed coach like Gattuso was a disciplinarian, not afraid to kick players out of training. And the reason why I was excited about it is because it sounded like he was another Gattuso, but perhaps someone that was more tactically sound than Gattuso might be uh, a better tactician so it seemed like a perfect fit unfortunately at least for now it does not seem like that's to be the case but like you said then De Laurenti says a lot of things so we have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt so we'll leave it there I want to thank both of our guests for coming on the podcast Daniel thank you so much for coming back on hey Joe it was my pleasure uh I love listening to your pod, man. Um, I love the consistency of everything that you go over. So keep up the good work, brother. Thank you so much for having me on again. Thank you so much. Alex, thank you as well for your debut on the podcast. Hey, uh, thanks for having me in uh, in your show, bro. I, I truly enjoyed it quite a lot. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to next season. Ready to go back to the stadium, watch a couple more couple games before I go back to the States beginning of next year. And uh, yeah, hopefully Napoli has a has a, a better season than the one that just passed and everything. So, but uh, as always, say Forza Napoli. Absolutely. So that will do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, 
please give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. The season may be over, but we will keep on going. I will be back with another episode later in the week. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.